You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we're going to continue going through the book of Jonah, and we're going to talk about the fruits of revival. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. We're going to continue today in the book of Jonah. We're going to talk about the fruits of revival from Jonah chapter 3. In Jonah chapter 3, a tiny book for y'all to find in just a second. Uh, we've went through Jonah, and I don't have to tell y'all, I've been kind of beating it into your heads next week. Brother Dave is going to be here, and next week our revival is going to start, our fall revival, and I'm looking forward to that. We started talking about the, the story of Jonah. What an incredible story it is. We talked about how the man of God ran away from God, how he did not want to go to Nineveh, and he went away. And you know the story, God prepared a, a fish or a well for Jonah that swallowed him. We talked about how believers should be running to God and not from Him. How disaster strikes when we try to be in control. We looked at Jonah's prayer in chapter 2, how his I wants became I wills. We talked about how true revival begins with true repentance. Last week we talked about how if true revival begins with true repentance, it continues through obedience. And we talked about being obedient to God and being a good soldier for Christ. And about what it means for each one of us to be obedient to God's calling on each of our lives. When He calls us, and He does call us all to go, we should do like Jonah did, just arise and go into our Nineveh. And then we ended last week with, with Jonah entering Nineveh, smelling of fish guts and bile preaching to the people of Nineveh. And we ended in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. And today, today I want to simply just look at the results. I want you all to see what happened. Uh, and this begins in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. And I'm just going to read the last five verses. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloths and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? In verse 10, then God saw their works and they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. It's such an awesome story and like I argued a few weeks ago, I really think verse 10 is, is probably a bigger miracle than, than Jonah in the well. That God decided not to bring calamity on Nineveh in this instant. So what happened? What, what do I want to see happen in our revival starting next week? What are some fruits of revival or fruits of this great Nineveh awakening? And this is some things that, that I noticed. And this is some things that I've noticed uh, from personal experience in the past. Jonah comes and he starts preaching. And here's fruit number one. The word of the Lord spreads. The word of the Lord spreads. You see... 
that no longer was it just Jonah proclaiming God's word. Now the king himself was too. Look, revival happens when the word of God spreads like a wildfire. No longer, like I said, was it just from Jonah. Now orders come from the king himself. If revival is going to happen, if revival has happened, it happens with the people sharing. I'll share with you one of the largest revivals that I've ever been a part of, that I've ever uh, attended. This is what happened. It wasn't really, I mean, the, the evangelist was Bill Britt, and he did a fantastic job. The preacher was Joe Sin, and, and the church fasted, and they prayed for weeks on out for it to come. And it was a great revival. But this is something that I saw happen in that revival. A young teenager was saved at that revival and he purposed in his heart to have all his friends come with him the next night and to hear the gospel. Well, then guess what happened? One of his friends heard the next night and resolved the same thing. And they had to extend it over and over and over again. Revival continued. Now that wasn't, I mean, sure, Brother Bill had a part in that. But I want to tell you, the word of the Lord spread, and it spread through somebody else besides the evangelist. It spread through somebody else besides the preacher. It spread through somebody else besides the deacon. It spread through a teenage boy who received the good news and wanted to share with his friends. Church, you know it's a fruitful revival when more than just the evangelist or preacher is sharing the word of the Lord. I just want to encourage you to take the word of the Lord with you into your Nineveh. When it comes to, to great moves of God, this is what I've found. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And you all know that old song? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And so many times I've seen these sparks happen. I've seen these sparks happen in a Sunday morning worship service. I've seen these, Sunday, these sparks happen in revival. I've seen them happen all kinds of ways. But this is what I usually find. Too often we are quick to put the flame out. We see a little spark and we step our foot on it. Now, now, we don't talk about religion or politics in school. We don't talk about that in our workplace. We don't talk about that at the dinner table. That's a conversation for Sunday mornings at church and nowhere else. Well, church, I just want to tell you, if you want to see revival, we need to feed the flame, not put it out. Feed the flame. How can you feed the flames of revival? I'm reminded of what Paul said in Romans, in Romans chapter 10, 14. Here's the truth that people cannot believe in what they don't do not hear and Paul wrote this to the Romans. He said, then, they, then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Paul says the pe people have to hear. How can they hear if we don't take the word to them? Oh, church, so often we just make the assumption. And it can happen and it does happen. I was saved in a church service and I'm thankful for that. But I want you to know that, that the word of the Lord travels through the people of the Lord. Take the word of the Lord with you. Be the voice. Like it says in verse 6, the, the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. Remember what we said about Jonah in a few verses in verse 2, when Jonah was told to go up, Jonah arose and went. Now you see in verse 6, the word came to the king of Nineveh. And now what does the king do? 
The king arises from his throne and he arises and he repents. Church, it can't all be on the pastor or the evangelist. If you want revival, the word of the Lord has to spread through other sources, through you. But when I study the story as a whole, when I look back at the great awakenings of our past, the great revivals I've attended, here's the the key takeaway that I take from it. What happened here that I don't see happening today is the people became broken. Like it says in verse 6, He rose from His throne, He laid aside His robe, He covered Himself with sackcloth, He sat in ashes. He caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles. He said, Let neither man nor beast, horde nor flock, taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Everyone. This is what happens, church. The people became broken. We're reading here about a broken people. From the king to the nobles, everybody was broken. They were crushed. Crushed by the weight of their sin. Why does revival tarry? Well, I submit to you today that revival tarries when we become sin tolerant. I believe with all my heart, it's one of the most popular methods of the devil to get us just accustomed to to sin. It's everywhere. When you wake up in the morning and you check your phone, when you turn the news on, when you listen to the radio, when you get on your computer, when you watch the LSU football game tonight, sin is everywhere. And I just want to tell you, if we're not careful, we'll fall into the same trap the Ninevites did. No longer will we be broken over our sin. We might be broken over somebody else's sin. You know, the murderers, the people in jail, those are the sinners, but not me. I'm just, I'm just human. These Ninevites, they were broken. Church, there's a problem today, and I would say in our churches. People do not realize the gravity of sin any longer. Church, I... I would tell you, I really believe this. If we could take an inventory of our lives, if we could see the sin in our lives as God sees it, I guarantee you this morning, right now, today, altars would be absolutely full. We would become broken over it. But instead of being broken over sin, we have become a people that have just become accustomed to sin. It's not just in Nineveh. If you go back and you look over uh, the great revivals in America and just our history. Some of you here that, that know American history. The sermon centers in the hands of an angry God delivered by Jonathan Edwards. That's considered by most to be the one that sparked the great awakening here in America. You know that was preached in July of 1741. The response to that sermon in 1741 was one of brokenness. One historian observed this. Many were in tears. Some were crying openly. And such was the state of slowly intensifying hysteria that Edwards had to halt the sermon several times to demand for silence. 
He had to say, guys, just, just wait. We're going to give an invitation. Just wait. I know you're broken. I know you're upset. Just wait. It's going to be okay. I'm going to give you time to repent. I thought about that this week as I've been praying and I've been thinking about revival. Imagine this. 1741. I don't know a lot about how the Ninevites lived back in Jonah's day, but 1741. What, what were they broken over? I mean, were, were they broken over what they were seeing on TV? No, there wasn't no TV back then. Were they broken over what they saw on their phones? Didn't have any phones to see back then. I think they were broken over homosexual marriage. It wasn't even a discussion back then. I think they were broken over the sanctity of life or a woman's right to choose. Wasn't even a discussion back then. I just want you to take take for a moment and just think of how far we have come since the 1740s. Nowadays in America, it is absolutely common practice for, for a man and woman to live together before they're married. Totally common. Nowadays, when it comes to a woman's right to choose, I'm old enough to remember where the, the opposing side wanted it safe, legal, and rare. Now it's shout your abortion, be loud and proud. Now, instead of saying you were born a certain way, which I believe we are born sinners and you can be born again, but now instead of that being the argument, now we say that you can choose to be whatever you want to be and we should celebrate it and not even question it. Church, I just want to tell you, since the 1700s, sin is now not only tolerated, it's celebrated. And church, if you want to see revival, why don't we experience revival why don't we see another great awakening? It's because we have become totally, totally numb to our sin. We're so quick to look at those in the prisons, to look at those maybe even in Washington, D.C., to those in our state houses, but we don't look in our own house. And church, I just want to tell you, if we're not broken over our sin, We'll never repent of it. And I tell you this as a pastor, I tell you this as, as somebody who loves Jesus. And I promise you, church, I love Jesus. I love him to death. But here's the truth that I stand before you as, today as a pastor. I stand before you today as, as a seminary graduate even. But I can say this. It is my sin. It is my filthy, rotten sin that caused Jesus Christ to go to an old rugged cross. And that should break me. Every day, I should just be broken over that. I should lament over that. Oh, shame on us as leaders. Shame on us as Christians that, that pick up the sin and, and we repeat it and we don't become broken over it. Do you realize that the perfect Lamb of God suffered, bled, and died for that sin that we have became so accustomed to? Church, if, if you've not become broken over your sin recently, well, let me tell you, you more than anybody else need revival. Revival happens when men and women become truly broken over their sin. Not loving the Lord our God with all our heart. 
Not being the kind of dad that God wants me to be. Not being as faithful to Jesus as He wants me to be. Not obeying my parents. And the list goes on and on and on. Just like it says in Isaiah, our righteousness is as a filthy rags. Church, let me ask you, and don't raise your hand, but just really honestly, when was the last time, when was the last time that you were broken over your sin? Culture changes, but one thing is for sure, the wages of sin is still death. And whatever it is in your life that you're dealing with, sin is is the root and sin needs to be broken over. Sin needs to be cried over. Sin needs to be repented. Sin needs to be confessed. Sin needs to be taken out of your life. And look, when we do that, the people notice. We must recognize that, that sin is the problem and become broken over it and not numb to it. You see that the Ninevites did that here. They were totally broken. They were broken so much to the fact that they said, not only are we not going to eat, the animals aren't going to eat either. They were just broken over it. And God was moved by their brokenness. And here's the third thing. Changed hearts lead to changed actions. Because they were broken... That brokenness led to serious action on their part. They fasted. They prayed. They cried out to God. Much like they did in that great awakening sermon that I mentioned earlier. Verse 8 says that they turned from their evil ways. Let everyone, not just a few, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Church, I, I believe with all my heart, of course, we're, we're saved by grace and not of works. But I will tell you this, that works follow true repentance, that works follow brokenness every single time. You take a man or you take a woman that's broken over their sin. You take a man, you take a woman that's been saved. There is no way, no way, shape, form, or fashion they are going to pick that sin up that caused their Savior to go to the cross. There's going to be a change of action. James said it this way in James 2.18. He said, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Oh, church, that we would have a a living faith, a faith that is followed by action, a faith that that changes our hearts, but also changes our actions. If you have a changed heart, you should have a changed lifestyle. Revival happens when changed hearts leads to changed action. Also, you see in here, something else I see, a fruit of revival, is the broken people, they they fully trusted in God's sovereignty. It says in verse 9, Who can tell? Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from His fierce anger so that we may not perish? Who can tell? Well, Here's a fruit of revival. Fully trusting in God's plan or in God's sovereignty. The broken, repentant Ninevites, they just put it all 
in God's hands. So here's a, a key takeaway or revival for you this morning. Is knowing, knowing that you have done all that you can do and trusting God with the results. Church, I'll tell you, I don't know. I have no idea. It's a new church year. Revival start next year. And I don't know what will happen this church year. And I don't know what will happen next week. I don't know if the revival will be well attended. I don't know if anybody will be saved. I don't, I don't know how the music will be. I don't know if there will be new church members. I don't know if there will be uh, new baptisms. I don't know any of that stuff. But I know the one who does. And I know this. I know this to be true. That I can either be a stepping stone to revival or I can be a stumbling block. And I'm going to do everything I can. Everything I can to be a stepping stone to seeing God's people return to Him. And instead of seeing us drift further away. Church, my goal today, I want us to leave here this day knowing that we have done everything. Absolutely everything we can do to prepare for God to move. And leaving here today, trusting God with the results. Man, it's a great feeling. You know, as a pastor, I can tell you my favorite, favorite time of the week, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is Sunday night. And it'll still be tonight, even if LSU loses. Because I love Sunday nights. Well, let me tell you why I love Sunday nights. I love Sunday nights because at the end of Sunday nights, I know that I know that I know I have given my all. I have done everything. And look, if the people respond, great. But if they don't, that's on them. I have done my part. It's a great feeling to know that whatever God decides to do today and whatever He decides to do in the days ahead, I'm listening to Him and I'm being a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. Church, can you say that? This Sunday night, this Sunday afternoon after church, can you say that you're doing all that you can? If not, what are you holding back? Why are you holding back? And I want to share just one other insight. And it's kind of a, a strange one this morning. It goes along with the question, what are you holding back and why are you holding back? And this is what I found with revivals. You know, if revival was to break out, a big time revival, what usually happens is you get some great results, but you also get some pretty uncomfortable results. And you see in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, this is really surprising after we've read about Jonah and you read about how he ran away from God. But look what happened to Jonah after God spared Nineveh. Look what Jonah says in Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, where I know you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah wasn't happy with the results. It's a crazy response that Jonah would be displeased. Not, we could go deep into this if we wanted to this morning, but I'm just going to keep it incredibly simple. Here you see the problem Jonah was faced with all along. He did not want to see these people spared. 
What Jonah wanted, Jonah really, he wanted business as usual. He wanted God's judgment. He wanted it just to be over and done with. He did not want anything out of the ordinary. And I share that with you today, church, because a great revival often has uncomfortable results. There may be somebody saved at this revival that you really don't get along with. There may be somebody saved at this revival that that may be an ex-spouse of yours. There may be somebody saved at this revival that has a criminal history. There may be somebody saved that you have a serious issue with in your past. There may be somebody, there may be a bunch of people saved at this church that has absolutely no clue about doctrine, about the Baptist faith and message, and there may be a need to have a new members class. There may be need for some serious, serious, serious discipleship. Thing is, revival has uncomfortable results. Revival is often home hard work, and revival is uncomfortable often because it takes the usual. And it makes it unusual. It makes it unusual to come to church during the week and for the altars to altar call to be extended and you're ready to go home, you're hungry, things need to happen, and it's just uncomfortable. But church, I want you to think of it different. What Jonah saw, I believe, he saw something unusual and he wasn't pleased with it and many times we we avoid revival because it takes the usual and makes it unusual it takes the usual sunday morning sunday night wednesday night and it it makes us have to plan and reorganize our week and it just makes the usual unusual but i want you to think of it this way true revival it does take the usual and make it unusual but it also takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. I don't know about you. There's nothing wrong with usual. There's nothing wrong with normal. For years we, we heard it said, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. I can't wait to get back to normal. But church, I just want to encourage you today to not hunger for the normal. To not hunger for the ordinary. That's hunger for the extraordinary. Don't you want to see God move? Don't you want to see that baptistry filled Don't you want to see new members? Don't you want to see the altars full? Don't you want to see sin cried out over and broken over? Well, let's bring it all home this morning. Church, if you you want to see that, and I pray you do, I pray that you would crave the extraordinary and not just the ordinary. Bringing it all home this morning. Start by spreading the word. Start by, by being like the king and just saying, hey, Look, we stand condemned. We're in trouble. Let's spread the word. Spread the word. Spread the word. Let's be broken. Not over somebody else's sinfulness this morning, but let's take an honest inventory today and be broken over our sinfulness. What is it in your life that you need to be broken over? What is it in your life that you need to confess? What is it in your life that you're that you're embracing that Jesus died so that you could put it to death. Put your faith into practice and trust God with the results. And finally, instead of craving the ordinary, crave the extraordinary like the people of Nineveh did.
thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you know revival is still possible. I hope you know that it starts by spreading the word, being broken over your sinfulness, putting your faith into practice, trusting God with the results, and instead of craving the ordinary, craving the extraordinary. Have a great week. Thank you.